morning. If you've got Bibles, anyone got a Bible, phone, Bible app, open it up for me. We're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll give you a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I find it's good, especially with a long passage when we flick through, that if you have it open or your Bible open, then you have a chance to go back and reference things that I might be referencing in my message. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 14 to 21. This is what it says. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It's like a tongue twister, isn't it? I'm going to rephrase that one line first for you. For Jesus' love compels us, because we are convinced, you and I are convinced, that Jesus died for all, and therefore all of us died. And because Jesus died for all, that us who live should no longer live for ourselves, but for Jesus, who died for us and was raised again. It's easy for us to read a verse and just to skip over it. I encourage you to rephrase verses for it to make sense for you or get a different version. Now we'll read from verse 16. It says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. You and I, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Isn't that incredible? As if God was making his appeal through us. That's how much he trusts us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him you and I might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that comes through the word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would minister to our minds and our hearts today, that this truth and others that we read would change us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that your words and your ministry would go beyond what I say, that your truth would be first and foremost, that you would be ministering directly. God, I pray today that maybe some people here would hear you for the very first time, that their hearts would be opened that those areas in their life, those barriers in their minds would be demolished, those strongholds would come down, and your truth would be so present. We pray this, we are here all because of you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Well, as a community, we're about halfway through our 40 days of purpose. Our focus through prayer and fasting for those seven mountains of influence, being religion, education, government, media, entertainment, family, and one more. 
Which one? Business. Religion, education, government, business, education, media, entertainment, family. As I've personally been thinking through these areas, so I have a little baby, and so generally I'm up around the one to three o'clock mark in the mornings, and that's generally around three o'clock as I'm finishing up, the little notification on my app hits my phone, and I get to think through, well, what am I going to be praying for? What am I going to pray for in this specific area? And what I find as I think of what I would pray for, I then start challenging my own thinking, thinking, man, that's small thinking. Because what happens is inadvertently, all of us tend to pray what we think is possible, rather than praying from the perspective of what is possible with God. And so today we're going to look at this passage and another one to try and start rephrasing, reframing, renewing our thinking so that we actually can start to pray from his perspective. Now, whether we realize it or not, the things we pray for are in either a small or a large way, I guess, tainted by our upbringing and our experience. What we think is possible through what we've learned, what we think is possible for God to work through our life is really determined by how we value ourselves and how we value others. How we see ourselves and how we see others. How we see ourselves, how we see these areas of education or media or government. What's happened throughout your life is you've formed opinions on each of those areas. You've also formed opinions on who you are and what your value is. Now, unless I get the real revelation of how I am valued, I can't, play from, I can't pray from the perspective of how Jesus sees me and in what he wants. So if I'm only seeing myself as a diminished value for what he died for, then I will pray from that perspective. So we're going to go through a passage like this and another one to start renewing our thinking both of how we see ourselves, but also how we see others. So let's start by thinking about how we see our own lives. We generally rise or fall to the level of expectation of our life. Now the best way I've found to explain this is to think of a thermostat. If you're not sure what a thermostat is, it's a little device that regulates temperature. So say there's a air conditioner up on the wall there, say we set it on auto and we set it on 24 degrees. What the thermostat does is if it gets too cold in here, the thermostat kicks in, it turns the heater on and it raises the temperature back up to 24 degrees and then it just sits there. Now if the temperature was too hot in here, what it would do is the aircon would kick in and it would bring the temperature down to 24 degrees. So that's how a thermostat works, that's how the air conditioner works on auto. Now, I'd like to suggest that each of you have a thermostat for your own life. You have a value that you have placed on your life, and generally, more often than not, that value has been determined often by your upbringing, maybe some traumas or situations you've gone through, positive things that have happened to you, negative things that happened to you, what your experience was like, what the par your parents spoke into your life, were they affirming, were they negative? And then as you've gone into adulthood, you've also had different experiences that often have been shaped by what you have experienced in your childhood. Now what happens is each of us ends up having a thermostat, a value system for our life. So say if I'm thinking of myself, if I value my, my life at here, so let's use this as an example. This is a value that I see my life at. And what happens is if, generally more often than not, 
if I've had a positive upbringing, that was my experience, parents that loved me, that spoke value into me, that were always there for me and provided for me, what happens when you have often people like that and they come across setbacks or they come across obstacles or different traumas as an adult, they all of a sudden start to get breakthrough, they get to move forward and they bring their life back up to that value system. Have you seen those people where they seem to overcome every obstacle and nothing seems to affect them? Often that's because of a good upbringing. Now, unfortunately, the opposite is also true. So if your value system is, say, here, and what happens is you start having great opportunities in your life, or you start seeing breakthrough in different areas where you've had strongholds, and you start to rise above that level, what happens is that more often than not, you'll start to sabotage yourself, you'll start to make decisions in your life that bring you down to that value. You say, I'm not worth this. This is not going to continue. Or you go into, say, a relationship that's healthy, and it's like, this is too good to be true, and you start sabotaging that relationship, and you bring your life back down to the value system that you have for your life. So if we think of, say, um, in the thermostat example, is once it hits that 24 degrees and maintains, generally in here it's going to maintain, but say we open all those doors and cold air comes in, it's when something that influences that, that's been maintained is when it kicks in. So we can go about our life in my 24-degree life and think that things are pretty cruisy, and all of a sudden massive setbacks come in and massive obstacles I'm faced and maybe things where I haven't reframed my thinking come into being and I start believing things that aren't true. Things just drop dramatically. But if I have a value system, everything I do, whether you realize it or not, is going to bring me back to that value system. Let's explain it again. I'm going to keep going over this because I want you to get this. If you have a value system that's here and good things start happening, maybe you've overcome some bad things in your life. Maybe you start to surround yourself with healthy people. Maybe those areas where you're always struggling, all of a sudden you've been doing well or you've been clean for a long time, or those, maybe those shopping addictions or something, you've been, managed to overcome those. What happens is eventually you think things are going too well. This is going to end, and inadvertently your self-talk looks for ways to bring you back down to that value. That's what happens. Now, this passage in 2 Corinthians is a letter from Paul to the church in Corinth. So if you're in the New Testament, once you get past it, Matthew, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, you start getting into these letters. So this was a letter written to the church in Corinth. What he's wanting them to do is to operate from a different perspective of thinking. The reason he gives as the basis for operating from a different level of thinking is he talks about the death and resurrection of Jesus. He really talks about the death and resurrection of us too. That with Jesus dying, we also have died. So the value system that I had before I gave my life to Jesus has all of a sudden been done away with, and Paul's getting them to start thinking from a new value system. And he's also getting them to think from the value system that sees people in a different way. So he's saying we're no longer going to um, think about people from a worldly perspective. We're no longer have a value for people 
from the perspective that of the experience I've had of them. And that also applies into these 40 days of breakthrough. So I can have a, a bad experience, say, in education, and I'll start praying from that perspective of judgment or hurt. The same goes with religion, especially in churches. We know lots of people have had bad experiences of churches. It's people that you've had a bad experience of. Unfortunately, we relate that to God and we get offended by churches and we start praying against things. We start praying from the wrong heart and the wrong perspective and the wrong value system. But what Jesus wants us to do, what Paul's telling us, imploring us to do, is to start thinking from a different perspective. And he says when we start thinking from a different perspective and we have a different value system for our life, he then gives us the reason for that. And he said, now I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. As if Jesus was making his appeal through us, we get to reconcile people to God. And as he starts talking about you've been given the, the ministry of reconciliation, that you wouldn't count people's sins against them. It's an important key there, especially when it comes to praying or it comes to thinking about our own life. I think too often we count our own sins against us and we define ourselves through our sin rather than through our saviour. It's important that we start to reframe our thinking. And so as he gives us this ministry of reconciliation, he's saying as if Jesus was making his appeal on your behalf, that you would reconcile people to God, not counting their sins against us, but reuniting them into the place of family that they were always intended for. That ministry of reconciliation truly only comes when we value ourselves as Jesus sees us. I think in our in our flawed understanding of who we are. Now, I hope you don't take this as judgment. I get often challenged that my messages are challenging. God has a better value system for you than you realize. That's it. There's a better way of thinking than you realize. He's not coming and bringing judgment on you. He's coming and saying, hey, let my death and resurrection matter to your life. Jesus needs to get the full reward for his death and suffering on the cross by you having your value redeemed to the level that he died for. If we don't redeem our value, the death and resurrection of Jesus was pointless. If he comes and gives us, it says in here that we are a new creation. If we live with old patterns of thinking, old ways of defining ourselves, then really we're not a new creation. We're not stepping into the fullness of what Jesus died for. That's what Paul is getting at. He wants us to step into the fullness of what he died for. Now, in this passage, it ends by saying that the death and resurrection of Jesus reconciled us to God so that we will become the righteousness of God. It's confronting when we hear that, that we're the righteousness of God. The reasons it's confronting because we value ourselves less than that. That the righteousness of God is up here and that's the value system that we're supposed to see ourselves. It's not saying we're not operating... Let me get my words right. It's not saying that we're not living up to the expectation. It's that we're devaluing ourselves. So it's not, we're, it's not that we're not measuring up, it's that we're operating a place of devaluing ourselves. And we're going to talk about a verse soon which is about renewing our thinking. 
Now, it ends by saying, so that we will become the righteousness of God. That word righteousness means the state of him who is as he ought to be with a correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. The state of him who is as he ought to be with a correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. So if we're the righteousness of God, because we've been reconciled to God, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, then for us to be the righteousness of God is a state of thinking, feeling, and acting according to how God sees us. Thinking, feeling, and acting. And I think it goes in that order. I think it's when we renew our mind that we start to change our feelings. And as we change our feeling and our heart posture, that we start seeing our actions shaped by that. It's about seeing people reconciled to God. Now, we will do a disservice if we see the kingdom come into education, and education working according to the kingdom, if we don't see people reconciled to God. We would do a disservice to media. If the media all of a sudden starts having kingdom values and starts representing God and it's all healthy stuff on media, if no one comes into the relationship with Jesus. It's when we see people reconciled to God that we see media change. It's when people are reconciled to God we see education change. Now, even through the crew, people that don't follow Jesus can operate with kingdom values. And that is wonderful. But if it stops there, we've missed something. It needs to progress into what God has given us as a ministry of reconciliation, that we would reconcile people to God. So as you're praying, be a pray, praying for the big picture, but pray for the individuals inside that big picture. And that's where, how we're going to see the breakthrough. What I found stood out in this passage is the words, it's, I think it's the second or third verse in that. It says, so from now on. So from now on, Jesus has died, we've died with him, he's been resurrected. So from now on, it's really what I found, it's a line of repentance. It's a change of direction. It sets a benchmark as saying, this is what was, this is what's happened. So from now on, we're going to do things differently. It says, so from now on, we're going to regard no one from a worldly perspective. The people we come across in our everyday lives or our workplace, we're not going to regard them from an earthly, worldly perspective. We're going to regard them from, hey, there's someone that needs to be reconciled to God. This is a business that needs to be, become a kingdom business and reconciled to God. This school needs to be reconciled to God and the people within it and the teachers and the kids need to be reconciled to God. And that's the perspective that we get to operate from. So from now on, you and I have been empowered to go a different way. So from now on, you and I get to set a new thermostat for our life. We get to see a new value system from our life and allow that value system to determine our thinking, our feeling, and our acting. So what's involved in resetting our thermostat to the correct level? As I said, I think it goes in order. And it starts with our thinking. To reset our thermostat, we go through repentance as we talked about. I'm going to lead you through repentance towards the end of this message. We're going to take communion together. We're going to lead ourselves through repentance where we've had a value of thinking that's below what Jesus died for. And then we're going to start to renew our thinking 
I'm going to read from Romans 12 in a sec. Now, this passage starts with therefore. Now, if you're going through the Bible and you see something like therefore, say you jump to a verse, especially this Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a popular one, and you read therefore, it means you need to find out what was before. And so you need to go through those chapters. And as you go through Romans, it's talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Brad was just talking about that from Romans 8, that we're no longer slaves to fear, that we have been now, we are set free, that we are now a child of God, that he talks about in a different passage that no longer do we live according to the ways of the world, that we live according to the Spirit, that the Spirit's empowered us to live a different way. Because of all of that, because Jesus died for us and rose again, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in us. Therefore, because of all of that, we're going to read from verse 1 to 2 of Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is generally where we didn't get what we did deserve. We deserve punishment. We deserve death. Instead, we got life. We got life to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. He's not calling us to give up our own life for nothing. Just say yes to Jesus and cruise out eternity. He's wanting us to be a living sacrifice, so daily making those choices that honor him. To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Choices day in, day out, that I'll deny maybe my plans for his or my will for him or my selfish desires for him. It's a daily choice, a moment-by-moment choice to make Jesus our purpose. You know, our sacrifice, if we are living sacrifice, a sacrifice is for the purpose of which the sacrifice was made to. So if we are a living sacrifice for Jesus, that means our living life is for Jesus. It becomes all about him. In that great exchange of our life for his, of the old life for the new creation, is a new way of thinking that says, now my purpose is for him, that Jesus is now my goal. He's the one that gives me, shapes my direction and shapes my thinking. And so when we start going through the 40 days of purpose, we're halfway through, we get to pray from, how would Jesus pray? What would glorify Jesus? What would Jesus do in this? What is possible for Jesus? Not what is possible for me or my old life or my old way of thinking, but as a new creation that's set right before Jesus. What can we achieve together? And what Jesus and I can achieve has nothing to do with what I can achieve, but everything to do with the surrender that I make towards him in my yes. Holy and pleasing to God. It sets such a high benchmark, doesn't it? Holy and pleasing to God. How do I do that? Well, Paul answers it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. He starts by saying it's time to change direction, time to change our value system. So for me to be holy and pleasing to God, I do not conform to the pattern of this world. I do not conform to what I was defined as at my upbringing. 
I do not conform to the ways that I have been behaving or the old value system. I don't conform to what people around me have said or those bad influences in my life have said. I do not conform to the patterns of those ways of thinking, but instead, what does it speak about? It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a transformation. It's not just an add-on, it's a transformation. A transformation is like that worm to the butterfly. It's something completely different. So we get to be transformed, not to start redirecting our thinking, but to have a new way of thinking. It's not fixing up my old way, it's having a new way. So I get transformed by the renewing of my mind. I get to cultivate new patterns of thinking. I get to think about myself and the way that Jesus sees me. I get to cultivate a new value system for my life. I get to see myself as Jesus does and how I see others as Jesus does. I allow the value to be placed on my life according to the price that was paid for my life. Your value system was determined not by how you see yourself or how your parents see you or how others see you. Your value was determined by the price that was paid for your life. The price that was paid for your life was the ultimate price that could ever be paid, that Jesus died for you, the perfect one, the holy one, the one that never sinned, the one that came to the earth just so that he could die for you. That's the value he places on your life. That's the way we need to get our transformed thinking to look like that my value system is determined by Jesus and the price that he paid, not by anything else. So how do we renew our thinking? Because that's important. So we're going through repentance, then we need to start renewing our thinking. The way we renew our thinking is by getting truth into our life. There's no other way. If the Holy Spirit is doing a miracle in your life to renew your thinking, it's because he's imparting truth to you. The Holy Spirit is the truth. So it starts with hearing the truth, and that can come through reading the word. If you're not in the word, I don't know how you're getting truth. That's the way to renew our thinking. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak the truth to us. The Holy Spirit is still speaking. He is affirming everything that is in the word, and he's speaking the truth to you. He is still speaking. It's about getting truth tellers around us. God designed us to be in community. And we need truth tellers in your life. And if you've got people in your life that are bringing you down, maybe it's time to to change your friendship group to those that are going to speak truth and life into your life. To renew our thinking, we need to get freedom from those strongholds, those spirits that are operating against the Holy Spirit, that have us in bondage because of the things we have done or that have been done to us in our life. We need to get freedom. That's where prayer ministry comes from. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, if there's any area of your life that is not holy and pleasing to God, there is power in the name of Jesus to see you get freedom from that. Let me say it again. If there's any area of your life that's not holy and pleasing to God, there is power in the death and resurrection of Jesus for you to get freedom from it. You can get free. Completely free. There is nothing holding you back other than the choice that you make to get free. The Holy Spirit wants to give you freedom. 
This community wants to bring you freedom. There is so many tools in this community that I have not seen anywhere else for you to get freedom. There is freedom on offer. Paul tells the church in a, church in a different passage, he says, we have the power to demolish everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, to take captive every thought that doesn't match how Jesus sees us as the righteousness of God. The power that's within you is the power to take captive every thought that sets itself up about the knowledge of God for your life. Everything that sets itself up against the value system that you are the righteousness of God, that there's power within you to see that broken. If we're going to see breakthrough in the spheres of influence, it starts with breakthrough in our own lives, of seeing ourselves as God sees us, and resetting our thermostat through renewing our minds. And from that place of renewed thinking, we see our lives transformed. And as we have transformed thinking and transformed lives, we get to look at our city through a different lens. We get to look at what is possible for the city because we've seen what is possible in our own life. If I can get the ushers to hand out communion, that'll be great. When you get hold of the communion, if you can just hold on to it, please, because we're going to take it together. I'm going to keep talking as they're handing it out. Now, it's easy for communion to be about remembering what Jesus did on the cross. It's important. Powerful moment, Jesus' death and resurrection. But what I find is that I want to renew your thinking around communion. It's not meant to be remembering. It's meant to be a reminder that what happened then is still happening now. That the freedom that happened 2,000 years ago is the same freedom that is happening now. That the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus is the same power that can work in your life now. That the freedom that happened through the blood of Jesus then is the same freedom that can happen in your life right now. I want you to start thinking we, we have communion every week. I want you to start using it as a reminder. Ah yes, there is still freedom there is still power. Jesus is still on the throne. There's still power in the cross. There's still power for my, every area of my life that is not holy and pleasing to become holy and pleasing. There's still power for all of those things that, I, that have damaged me in my life for me to get freedom from those things. There's still power for me to make better choices. There's still power for me to glorify God in my workplace, in my school, in my family. I want us to set it up as a reminder. Luke 22, 19 to 20, it says this, Jesus speaking, and he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He gets us to do it regularly 
that we would be reminded of the power of the cross that is still as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed with the power of the cross. Nothing has changed with the power of the cross for you to become new, a completely new creation. I want you to think of how you value your life. Andy, can I get you to play for us? Thanks. I want you to think of how you value your life. Just close your eyes, think it through. Think of some of those times maybe you've had difficult times in the past few years. Choices that you've made, hurt that's happened. I want you to think through what value system were you operating from when those things happened. Because God wants to set you free from that value system. He wants to deliver you from that way of thinking. I think one of the greatest pains that Jesus has is that he went to the cross. His body was broken. It was beaten. See the passion of the the cross and you see this beating and the lashes with all those bones and it's ripping out parts of his flesh. Jesus. He went through everything for us. He went through everything for you. He endured it. At any point, he could have got freedom. He could have called the angels and he could have destroyed everyone in front of him. He could have wiped out all of those people that were persecuting. But all of those people he was persecuting were the ones he was dying for. He was dying for the Romans. He was dying for the ones that were nailing him into the cross. He was dying for the ones that were whipping him with those bones and those lashes. He was dying for them in that moment. As painful as it was for him, and he cries out in the garden, he said, is there any other way? Knowing there wasn't. And so he goes to the cross and he takes that pain and he does that so that we could be free completely free and I think it pains him that we've had a past that's defined ourselves in a way that is not equal to the way that he defines us I feel the heart of the father saying he's sorry for what you have endured he's sorry that your parents didn't give you his value system. He's sorry that your siblings didn't give you this value system. He's sorry that those you trusted in your life didn't give you his value system. And it hurts him. It really hurts him. But in that pain, he is offering another way that his death and resurrection is still on offer for you. His death and resurrection is still on offer for you. You can still be a new creation. 
your value can still be redeemed. So as we take this bread, we're going to have that together now. As we take this, I just want you to put on your heart a thankfulness that Jesus paid a price so that we didn't have to. Jesus paid a price so that you didn't have to. Let's thank Jesus. as we take this juice together as you drink it in I want you to visualize the picture that his blood is washing over you and through you there is power in the blood of Jesus and that power wants to come and minister to you it wants to come and reshape your thinking it wants to come and set you free from your past it wants to deliver you Let's drink together. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to lead you through repentance. Just going to get the team to come up as well. Jesus, I thank you that it's because of your death and resurrection we can come boldly to approach the throne of grace. So right now, we boldly come before you. We approach your throne of grace and we ask for forgiveness for where our value system has diminished the value of your cross. We ask for forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, we are sorry when we valued ourselves less than how you see us. We're sorry that we've defined ourselves from a worldly point of view and not from a kingdom perspective. And so again, we say thank you for your forgiveness, God. Thank you that today marks a different day in how we value ourselves. And Holy Spirit, I ask that as we walk this out, you would come with your comfort, your encouragement, and your conviction when we fall back into old ways of thinking. Would you help us have the boldness to walk out our healing in community, to be vulnerable with those around us, to get prayer, to go through prayer ministry, to read your truth, to start rewiring our thinking. We want to be transformed.
So as we repent, we change direction and we say, Father, would you reveal to us the truth? Right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal truth? Father, would you love just minister to people here? Just as we sang earlier, we were talking about being a child of God. Would you give us a fresh revelation that we are your children? Would you give us fresh thinking around that? Right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would divinely and powerfully set a new value system upon each person here. I ask that it would be awakened in their minds, in their thinking. It would be awakened in their heart, in their feeling. And it would be awakened in the choices that they make and their actions. This new way of thinking. I pray that the value system that each person here holds is that of the righteousness of God. That you are the righteousness of God. Thank you, Jesus. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your power and we receive your truth. We're going to go into singing a song and some oldie. As I was feeding the other night, I had just different worship songs flicking through on YouTube. And this one came up. It's opened the eyes of my heart. What I find is the best way to see yourself rightly is to see Jesus rightly. If you see him you'll get a true revelation of who you are. So we can sing this song. It's open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart because I truly want to see you. Then as I see him rightly, I see myself rightly. So as you're singing those words, I want you to get the revelation of who he is, but also who you are. And then as we go into the next part of the song, that we would see you high and lifted up, Jesus. That you would get glory through our life. That as we have a community that walks in a new value system, that we would see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. And as you are glorified, you would pour out your power and love upon us. You would pour out your power and love upon religion. You pour out your power and love upon education. You pour out your power and love upon the government. You pour out your power and love upon the business. You pour out your power and love upon media and entertainment and family. That people would be reconciled to you. We glorify you, Jesus. We stand here before you to glorify you, Jesus. You are wonderful. You are mighty. You are majestic. We are in awe of you, Jesus, and all we want to do is see you rightly. You are the Holy One. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. We declare that you are holy over our lives. We declare that you are holy over our families. We declare you are holy over our workplaces. We declare that you are holy over our city. That you are holy and you are the Holy One. And we pray that from today onwards, that you would give us the revelation that you are the Holy One and you would impart to us a new value system that is in response to your holiness. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for ministering to us today. We pray that you are glorified. 
through our worship towards you. We pray that you would get the full reward for your death and resurrection. Amen.